Guys, welcome to Minefields. This is a milestone is issue, right? This is uh, this is technically our 251st recording. Dum dum dum. Issue 134 of the comics one, and but the premiere of Dark, which uh, this is coming out. This episode's coming out Friday. Dark's coming out tomorrow. Nice. We got a killer theme music from Suicide Puppets on that one. Uh, man, I, I gotta tell you, man, I woke up on Saturday after recording, um, I felt like that was, like, therapy for me. I'm sorry if I, like, gushed too much or something like that. I, I, I felt like a different person. That was such a great show. What did you think of it? I thought it was good, man. Freaking, you know, we got out there, freaking talked about, uh, you know, talked about some Batman, talked about some Black Label, talked about some Killer Smile, and it was freaking, it was excellent. Yeah, we definitely got a little deeper than we normally do, which is interesting. A little, yeah, yeah but, no, it was definitely a positive experience. Yeah, it was great, and uh, I really hope you guys like it. It's uh, you're obviously have already heard it because it's coming out the day before this, but uh, we're pretty proud. We've put in a lot of put a lot of legwork, literally hours and days on the road uh, recording. Um, Hours of footage from us being out and about, plus new era. Um, you know, it's a it's a lifestyle, man. I my uh, I had a customer today ask me like, you do you, you sound like you really like your job, and I was like, you know, man, I I don't think I can answer that fairly. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I do like this job. And they took good care of me. And this place is great. All the good stuff. Awesome. But what I actually do is so amazing <laughs> that I could be, you know, shoveling, you know, you know, uh, roadkill off the road during the week, and I'd still just be just waiting to get to New York, waiting to get to Lubbock, waiting, waiting to, you know, get these photos done. Um, everything's good, man. Awesome, man. That's what you, that's what you hope for, man. Freaking, you always want to enjoy what you're doing, you know. Agreed. Otherwise, why do it? Oh, yeah. Once the fun gets sucked out of it, then that's it. It's over. Yep. But you had an interesting concept. Wrestlers that you would recognize in public. Now, I'm thinking in terms of how bigger than life you are that you're going to, like, no matter what, it's like spotting Mickey Mouse, you know. Like, that's definitely Mickey Mouse. Uh, that's 100% Stone Cold. Or probably maybe Goldberg, but who gives a crap? Um, how did this conversation come up with Mrs. Morales? Uh, really, I just I just brought it up. I was kind of thinking about stuff, you know, watching a, you know, watching the amount of wrestling I tend to watch in a given week. Just kind of thinking, you know, like if you happen to see wrestler A, would you recognize him out in the street? You know, because you know when you're, you know, obviously people in your in your normal clothes are going to look substantially different than you would in you know in the ring you know that's why people wear tights is to you know accentuate the, you know, the physical body and whatnot but like if you happen to see somebody like on the street you know would you necessarily realize oh hey that is you know that's uh, Adam Cole, or hey, that's you know Josh Alexander, or you know hey, that's you know Rusev or whatever. You know, it's it's an interesting concept. I remember 
like years ago, around 2003, I ended up sitting at an airport uh, coming back from wrestling in Hawaii. And uh, Chris Benoit walked by me. And, like, he walked into the the men's room, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to go bother him. It's, you know, that's cool. And, like, after thinking about it for all of, like, three seconds, I was like, when the hell is the next time I'm going to get to see Chris Benoit? Yeah. So I, I ended up, uh, I didn't follow him into the men's room because I'm not that guy. I would have totally gone inside yeah. just to, even if I get to talk to him, at least. I, got, I, took, I took a whiz in, in the next stall next to Chris Benoit. <laughs> Okay, you are that guy. <laughs> it wouldn't have bothered him though. <laughs> Until you do. No, um, but yeah, no, I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna I'm not gonna go to the bathroom after this guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the magazine rack conveniently next to the bathroom and wait for him to come out. Because <laughs> at least then he, at least then he'll have washed his hands. Yes. I hope. I'm sure he washed his hands. Of course he did. But yeah, so I being the uh, the brilliant strategist that I am, I uh, picked up a WWE magazine <laughs> and leered at it through the, through the top and of it. <laughs> Please all tell I'm me missing is the uh, the glasses and the mustache. Please tell me he was on the cover. <laughs> that would have been epic. I really wish I could remember who was on the cover of that magazine. I, I never thought about it till you're the first person to ever bring that up. Um, so I'm sitting there waiting for him. And out of the bathroom comes Kurt Angle. And I'm just uh, legitimately, I can't remember very, very often in my life being gobsmacked. But I was truly gobsmacked. And I'm just like looking at him. And I just start smiling. And he smiles at me. And like, because he, he knows what's going on. Yeah. And freaking, you know, he comes up and I'm like, you know, introduce myself, you know, hey. You know, I'm a wrestler, and just got back from Hawaii, and he's just like he's just like listening to me, and like totally, just totally, just an awesome guy. You know, like he he seems like he legitimately cares. That's awesome. And I was like, you know, oh, of course, you know, it was the year they had that killer match at the Rumble for the title, and you know, again, being the brilliant strategist that I am, mm-hmm. oh my God, I love that match with you and Benoit at the Rumble. And then who should show up but Chris Benoit? Did someone say my name? <laughs> Pretty much. And like Kurt Angle introduces me to Chris Benoit. That's one of the best things I've ever heard in my freaking life, man. That's oh, amazing. it gets better. It gets better. So you know, I start to you know. So here I am with Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle, just talking. And like Benoit is just like, okay, oh, you're a wrestler, huh? Because granted, I am all of like a buck fifty. At this time, I'm wrestling for a year, and here I am talking with these two legitimate, like, superstars. main event WWE superstars. And, like, you know, I'm trying to, oh, I just wrestle in Hawaii, you know, that's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, who, uh, you know, who'd you wrestle for? And it was a fed called uh, the Island Extreme Wrestling Federation, mm-hmm. uh, IXWF, which I believe at the time was a part of the NWA. And I was like, oh, you know, IXWF, uh, run by a guy named David Hart. And Benoit just kind of, like, nods his head. Either, like, like okay, maybe you know, maybe this guy isn't full of crap. Yeah. Or he's like, or he's just like, I'm just going to let this guy talk. <laughs> you know, whatever. 
Or it could have been one of those, like, uh, you just mentioned the name of a guy that, like, he hates the guts of or something like that. Like, you know, that that's a thing. That's that's true, but I, I doubt he knew who David Hart was. But um, definitely not related to the Hart family, obviously. I was about to ask. No, no, not even a little bit. Like, freaking, this guy was... Nice guy, but freaking definitely, like, one of those guys that would use uh, a bigger star's last name to kind of make himself seem more important. But, um, yeah, no, for you know over there. But we kept talking. It was like, it was like a five-minute conversation, nothing too crazy. So then, you know, the, the question comes up of who trained me. And I was trained by a guy named... Um, he was lightning blind. Uh, his name was Michael Hunt. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I looked at him and they, on, and they were like, oh, you know, who trained you, by the way? Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. They're like, who trained you? And I go, my cunt. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> and like, there was this, this silence between the three of us, we all make eye contact, <laughs> and then I hang my head, and I'm just like, his name is Michael J. Hunt, <laughs> sir. <laughs> and for some random reason, which I will never understand to this very day, that's where the conversation ended. Oh. <laughs> no. Completely, 100% true story. What did they do? Just walk away? We're like, well, nice meeting you. Or... Uh, we, we, yeah, nice meeting you. Have you know, shook hands, have a good day. Yeah. Or the conversation ended. Is what it is. Now, I would like to. I would like to at some point meet Kurt Angle again because I haven't seen him since yeah. in person. But I would love to tell him that story because I, I would like to see if he remembered it just because <laughs> of how insane that story is that would be great if he's just like hey you're the Mike Hunt guy <laughs> yeah. maybe he would be maybe he would no that that's awesome and I'm, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up just in general because I, I think I think the conversation needs to be had that if you cannot be recognized in public as a wrestler are you doing your job are you as bigger than life as you should be or is it a good thing to not be spotted and, and you know, be you go incognito and, you know, enjoy your burger at, you know, said steakhouse, you know, without being bothered or something like that? Yeah. Well, I think it, like, it, it's a person-by-person thing. It definitely is, like, whether you're, like, not necessarily that like you're out there and looking for the attention, but you definitely want to be somewhat noticeable. You know, whether it's, you know, hairstyle, body size, tattoos. So you, you always want it like, like CM Punk. If you see CM Punk, That's you CM know Punk. it's CM Punk. Yeah. Like there's, there's no, there's no doubt in your mind that it, like, that is CM Punk. You know, uh, real quick story on the flip side. I was at, I was at the Ring of Honor show, WrestleMania 32 weekend. Mm-hmm. And I, me and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. We were um, we were sitting in line, and uh, we see Tommy Jr. talking to a guy, and it took us legitimately a good five minutes to finally realize he was talking to Eddie Edwards. Oh wow! And like we weren't gonna bother him or anything like that, 
but you know, we definitely were like, you know, it was like, oh, oh, oh shit, that's Eddie Edwards. Oh, that's one. Oh, that is one. That's one. So I'm up, to, I'm up to two now. Yep, you're up to two. But did it bother you, know, you that, that you didn't yeah. recognize him? Not, I mean, not particularly because it was kind of you know it was WrestleMania weekend. Everyone was kind of talking to everybody anyway. Um, but you know, it's just kind of it's just something like it's just an interesting thought process. You know, like you know, as a as a wrestler as a performer, you kind of want that larger than life feel because that's you know oh my you know oh my gosh that's you know Stone Cold Steve Austin or you know The Rock obviously yeah Bret Hart you know. Remember, everyone remembers that commercial with the little kid back in the day. Brett! <laughs> you know? But, like, you, you kind of want that. But, like, you obviously don't want it all the time. You know? Because, like, I remember at a progress show one time, Lucky. after his match, Zack Sabre Jr. sat right next to me and was just eating a sandwich. And, like, I looked over at him, saw it was him. You know, I didn't want to bug him because he was eating. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of let him go about his business. You know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, it was kind of cool to be like, hey, this is Zack Sabre Jr. Like I told my wife, but like I never, I wasn't going to like make a big old thing about it. Hey, brother, how's it going? You yeah. Know, she, hey, you know, trying to eat. And I, I, I was at a bar one time with Colin and, uh, uh, a girl we knew and her current boyfriend, and uh, the Oklahoma Thunder had just lost a key game in uh, the playoffs uh, mm-hmm. in L.A. And um, the game had ended maybe about like three hours beforehand. We went we we went to one place to watch it, and then we went to another to go eat. And while we're sitting there at the bar having a drink, uh, one of the players that uh, and I'm terrible like it's been a while since I've been in the Thunder because myriad of different reasons but uh one of the main players came in some uh, nick what's his name i can't our, our like our one good white guy and um <clears throat> he comes in and uh goes to he's like one foot away from me uh goes to the cashier and like hey i've got a to order and the girl comes you know brings it to him and he looks at me and i'm in full thunder gear and i was like hey man i just want you to know that we're still absolutely proud of you and um you know, I'm I, I'm just I'm just happy to, to to say hello to you. And he's like, "What's your name?" You know, shook my hand. And um, well, problem with that was he came in incognito. Uh oh. He came in incognito, um, and uh, Colin and I are or you know we get a picture real quick, and then everyone notices it's Nick, it's Nick Collison. That's who it was, and um, and um, everyone just swarms him, and he just took pictures he like the man's burger was getting cold i remember her opening it and showing his burger now one thing in life that will really really chafe me is you're bothering me if i'm eating like i i don't yeah. know I, I, I don't know if you've heard the rule like if you want to make sure that vince mcmahon doesn't hear a word you say talk to him while he's eating mm. and but at the same time if you're keeping me from my food or my burger's getting cold, I'm not happy. But he was just such a an absolute sweetheart. And uh, but on the flip side, uh, my girlfriend uh, called me from a Disney cruise. Like they they had not demarcated yet. Okay. And, uh, I, I'd missed like eight calls from her. I was uh, I was with a client, and uh, I'm like, "Is everything okay?" You know, like that many missed calls means something's wrong, right? Yeah. And she answers, and she's like, "I think I'm sitting next to Kevin Owens." 
I'm like, on the, are you sure? And she's like, oh, I'm a hundred percent sure it's him. Uh, we were in line to, uh, get food before we demarcated. And, uh, I went around a corner to get to the, the buffet line. And all of a sudden he turns around and I almost bump into him. Well, that's what she's saying. She almost bumped into him. And, uh, he takes one look at her and looks down and she's wearing her Kenny Omega shirt. You know, the, the, the digital one, the, Oh yeah. Okay. The, 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 the space, the space invader. Yeah. The eight bit one. And he mm-hmm. just, and she's like, he just goes, Ugh. and then she smiles at him. And then, um, she, you know, I called her back and I was like, man, that, that's so cool. And, and I, are you sure it's him? And then she's like, hold on a second. And then I get a photo from him, from her. And it is it is him looking at her, and there's a little girl in the in the picture, like just the back uh-huh. of her, the back of her head, and uh, I was like, that's absolutely him, that's amazing, and um, and I, I was like, you know, do whatever you can to bump into him again, get you know, have him sign your Kenny Omega shirt. And I'm saying like they're friends, and um, I immediately went to Twitter and tweeted at him at fight fight Owens fight. You know, go full heel with my girlfriend. She just, uh, she just absolutely, she's right next, you know, she's the one that, you know, uh, yeah, just, uh, she's sitting next to you. And I immediately get a reply. She already went full heel on me, taking a picture of me with my freaking daughter without asking. And, and I was like, whoa, that sucks. And I went back to work. Uh, you know, obviously, Uh-oh. yeah, I went back to work. And, um, I'm I'm on my way home and my 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 buddy Dusty um I live in Colorado now and um he lives in Oklahoma he calls me like and he's like oh my god was that really you and I was like what are you talking about and he's like dude like there are articles on you online on the rag sheets about some idiot's girlfriend taking a picture of Kevin Owens without asking in his daughter and I was like what are you talking about he's like dude the rag sheets are like there's like three articles about you and and I was like Hold on a second. I'm driving a red light. I go to Twitter. I've got 300 messages of people telling me to go F myself, go to hell, kill myself. Your girlfriend's a, a, a C word. I mean, I was like, cool. <laughs> like it was like, like, like it's like, it's a thing, you know, not to re- like, if you're famous and not that I was, I'm famous or anything like that, you know, not to read the comments cause it'll really mess you up. But the, the the avalanche of of just absolute like <laughs> people that are like, how dare you do that to Kevin Owens? <laughs> like, it, it, it was Oy. it was funny to me, but like at the same time though, uh, I don't think it was her fault because number one, she got into wrestling because of me. She knew my favorite wrestler was Ke- is Kevin Owens, and um, yeah. Uh, she just wanted to make me happy. She, you know, it's not her fault. Like that's technically my fault. I should not, uh, I, I, I should have had the, the no, the knowledge or forethought to be like, whatever you do, don't take a picture of with him, him and his family. Like that is something you don't do. Don't, don't come up to them when they're eating. Like that's their precious cargo they're with. And you're about to take photos. Cause I, I, I've seen photos of Kevin Owens. The only ones he ever released were him of his kids were the mm-hmm. boy, the boys, not the girl. Yeah. But interesting, interesting topic. Cause we, we covered a, a few different things there, man. Like how to approach somebody, what not to do, how to, um, 
uh, <laughs> embarrassed. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Like, uh, if you were, if you were, if you were Chris Jericho and you were out in public, how would you be preferred to be approached? Like, let's say you're at a restaurant. I mean, dude, obviously, like, no, not Chris Jericho, but like, regardless, um, really, yeah, don't, yeah, obviously, we talked about it already. Don't, you know, try to talk to people when they're eating. You know, if they're with their family, completely, you know, leave it alone. It yeah. ain't worth it. Freaking, um, you know, I ran into uh, Lashley at a McDonald's one time. He was with his kids. You know, I just, I, you know, I, I, I've met last age train at his gym years ago. So like, I didn't, you know, didn't say anything to him. Just kind of let it be. Cause was, like I said, he was with his kids. But yeah. If they're with their kids or they're eating, just leave it alone. Don't approach him in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I have, a, I, have a, I have a buddy who did that to Sammy Callahan and like, he went to shake his hand. He's like, do you mind if I you know, wash my hands first? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Don't be that guy, you know. But like, hey, you know, just kind of, you know, just approach them nice. You know, never ever, you know, go for their real names. Oh, that's I've a heard, big deal. Horror I'm... stories. I've heard horror stories of guys just like utilizing, you know, guys' mm-hmm. real names on the street, like they know them personally. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Like, if I introduce myself to the in the back to the boys, like at, at a show. Personally, I always use my real name. Just, just my, it's my take on it. Right. You know, I've, I've had people that legitimately thought my name was, you know, my wrestling name for ten plus. That have been my friends legitimately for eight to ten years. I oh, didn't wow. know. Mm-hmm. You know, and after that, after that kind of came out a couple of times, I was like, I'm going to introduce myself as my real name. Who cares? Uh, I remember talking to uh, the owner of New Era, and uh, he mentioned my last name. I'm like, how did you know my last name? And he's like, why wouldn't I know your last name? I'm like, I don't tell anybody my last name. And he's like, is that a problem? And I was like, no. It, was, it just kind of like threw me for a loop, you know? Like everyone knows me. I specifically go – I've been going by Joshua Michael since 2004 as my pen name. It's actually my first – it's my Christian name. It's three-quarters of it. Um my middle name is Michael after my father. Um, the reason why uh, I go by Joshua Michael is because at the time when I first started getting published was my dad and I weren't exactly uh, talking at the moment. And uh, my mom says he reads all your articles. Like, so I made sure my editor know always print it. It's just Joshua Michael. And um, that way, you know, all branch, like, you know, still your son, still love you. Your name's there, too. But then when I started getting, started DJing, uh, going by Joshua Michael, um, very few people are allowed to call me Josh. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I would, if I, if I, if I was like at a bar and ordering a drink and I heard, Hey Josh, I'm going to turn around to someone I know very, very, very well. But if I hear Joshua Joshua Michael, I'm going to, I know exactly what environment I was turning into. And that's kind of, that's why it's been a thing for me is why I do the Joshua Michael thing. It's my dad. And also, um, you know, that I like knowing what I'm going into for some way someone refers to me like that one time. I can uh, see that. Like that one time, like I never, I never call you by your Christian name, but I did call you once by it and you turned around and you looked at me like, why did you say that? 
Yeah, it was a little weird. <laughs> yeah, and like, uh, I didn't even do it on purpose. It just, it just came out. It was, a, you know, it was, you know, we, some weird stuff had happened that night, and, uh, but uh, enough about me. Um, wrapping it up. Um, I've got that. Look, I've got a copy of Stray Dogs. That's proof of that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know. Like, I, I, I totally like. I, you, you specifically asked for your shoot name, and, and I was just so. I, I was marking out meeting meeting him and uh, and, I, and I saw it and I'm like oh dude I'm sorry and you know like, that's cool but you know we 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 got it done exactly but I do think being larger than yeah, life is, I mean it's sorry go ahead oh no I was gonna say yeah it's very you know like if you're gonna do it just you know the biggest thing is be respectful just don't be you know don't act like they owe you anything cause yeah. that's the quickest way don't act like you don't don't act like they owe you anything. Don't act like your personal friends. Yeah, you know, just just go in there and be respectful, and you know, ten to one you'll have a decent experience. You know, it's not a guarantee, right? Because sometimes guys are just going to be in a bad mood. Yeah, I mean, it happens, man. You know, but you're you're way more likely to get freaking get what you're looking for. You know, if you just kind of you know just treat them like people, just treat you know treat them like somebody you 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 enjoy you know enjoy what they do, but not somebody you personally know. Right, I, I I like to thank I like to thank them. Um, I remember I was at uh, I've told you this before. Um, I was at Supercard Honor in, in New Orleans, and my girlfriend at the time mm-hmm. like we we were in nosebleed seats and we we're just settling in, got our nachos and our beer, and uh, we see way down on the uh, not way down it was it wasn't that big of a venue, but we see like in a shadowy corner a big giant dude with a mohawk like a. And she says, is that Kitamura, who's our, currently our favorite wrestler in New Japan? And uh, the guy turned for a second, and I was like, that's Brian Cage. And I, I leapt out of my seat. I went, I mean, just man with a mission, went straight to him. And uh, and I was like, excuse me, Mr. Weapon X? Like, I, I was like, what am I going to say, what am I going to say, what am I going to say? And I was like, excuse me, Mr. Weapon X? And he's like, hey, what's going on? And I was like, listen, uh, I just want to thank you for what you, what you do in Lucha Underground. And I've been following your career for quite a long time. Um, I comment on all your stuff. My name's, my name's The Memento Mori on Instagram. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's you. And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, I just, I just wanted to come and shake your hand and say thank you for all you do. And just uh, I'm, I'm proud watching your career advance. Like, I know you're going to do amazing things. And uh, if you don't mind, if uh, I understand if you don't want to uh, or can't. Um, I, I emphasize the can't because you never know, right? Yeah, you, you never know. Like, um, and uh, he's like, "No, I'd love to take a photo with you." And he did the the Wolverine pose, but then we bumped into Rocky Romero and Juice Robinson on the streets of New Orleans, like, uh, uh, like the next day. And uh, hey, Mr. Juice, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing. I, I gotta get in the Sheridan, man. Like, I gotta decide. Hey, you know, go kick butt, man. Uh, later on, we saw him, and he was standing there with Rocky Romero, and we, like, they were, like, I guess waiting for a taxi, and I was like, we gotta go talk to him, they're just chilling, and, um, hey, you know, uh, Mr. Juice, good to see you again, Mr. Romero, much respect, really appreciate everything you do in New Japan, it's our favorite fed, uh, do you mind if we get a photo, and he's like, I, I really appreciate you asking, love to take a photo, but we can't do it together, and Juice is like, Japanese cafe, bro. And I was like, say no more. <laughs> like, say no more. <laughs> yeah, like, say no more. Like, like you know, and uh, we, we did individuals, but they were happy, and uh, uh, Juice complimented my, my, my awesome Bullet Club 
uh, vest and you know we, we shook their hands and went on their way but like it, I it really scared me that I was gonna do something wrong you know yeah but we, we, we gotcha didn't, we didn't jam the cameras in their face right away we they saw us coming trust me like man well, you're taller than both of them so I can understand that uh, unfortunately way taller <laughs> like and it, it throws me off, man, because, like, yeah, I'm six three and a half, but, like, I feel like a 12-year-old kid. Like, I don't feel like I'm powering over people ever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, but, that you know, it is what it is. And uh, I appreciate the conversation. This really went in a really good place, man. Yeah, I think so, man. It's always, like I said, it's, it's interesting to talk about because you, you, you think about it, but, like, you know, you always hear the horror stories of, I remember freaking somebody. I remember hearing a story about a bunch of the old e, uh, the EC, the WWECW guys at a table one time, and somebody came up to Sabu and called him by his real name. Oh no! And like like he knew him, and then yeah, and like I said, you know everything. No matter what you say from there, you're you're doomed. Like you're not gonna get what you're looking for. You get because you know you you went there. Like don't don't act like you know these people. Yeah. You know, just because you're just because you're a fan of their work, or even if you're a fellow wrestler who doesn't, you know, who wrestles somewhere else, you know, if you're, you know, like an indie guy or whatever, you know, just treat them, treat them with respect, right? Like, you know, especially if, like I said, you're an indie worker, you know, te- you know, in theory, because it's not, it's not always true. You know, those guys are wrestling at a place you want to get to, right? You know, the last thing you want to do is. You know, while while you want to, you know, you're in the same business, you kind of want to treat them, quote unquote, as an equal. You know, they're it's a different world. Yeah, but like just go there, just you know, just be respectful. You know, and and go from there. That could sabotage your career. You're about to get hired by Ring of Honor, but one of the guys remembers you marking out on them a year ago at a at a restaurant, and you know, uh, you know, just absolutely was disrespectful you know for the family and like tells the booker like not not him (laughs) that's the thing is because people don't know a little bit in another little bit of insight is you know people are gonna people are gonna tell everybody what you did wrong except you yeah you will be you will be the last person to find out what you did wrong yep i don't know why that is but it is what it is and you, know, you could totally end up doing something stupid that you don't realize, and then boom, you're you know nobody wants to use you afterwards just because you you made a mistake, and you will be the last person to find out. Yeah. All of a sudden, someone's not returning phone calls, <laughs> or people aren't looking yeah. in the eyes. Like that's 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 not a good thing, man. That's that's great advice for for you up and coming indie guys. Like you know, do what you got to do, but and like. What are you like? Just got to be on your on your toes at all. I don't want to say eggshells, but on your toes to be as respectful as you can and remember that people remember yeah, just, things. Yeah, just don't yeah, just don't go out of your way to do things that would you know be looked upon badly. You know, pe- people will forgive so much, and then you know there are some things that they won't forgive, and there are some things that you know don't necessarily like you won't realize you did, but. They end up being big deals to other people. Yeah. And, and like I said, the sad thing about that is, is you will be the last person to find out what you did. That's just kind of the way the majority of people operate. 
understandable, man. And uh, the same way it goes for uh, approaching comic book uh, artists and writers. Uh, like, it's a whole different breed of, of person. Like, uh, I've found that trying to get writers uh, to even respond back or say yes to anything is is almost next to impossible because a lot of these guys are hermits. Like, they don't... Like, it's not something that they... Like, um... I'm trying to think of a good uh, metaphor for this. Like, in my business, I gotta deal with a lot of underwriters. A lot of underwriters are sitting in the basement and don't want to talk to people. Like, if you try... if Like, if, if you are a customer in whatever field you're trying to get attention in in terms of like I want to know why this is going right or wrong I want to talk to the underwriter 10 out of 10 times it's not going to happen like they, they mm, want okay. they want nothing to do with talking to customers it doesn't matter banking insurance they, they want nothing to do with it uh, and uh, writers uh, I've found are pretty skittish they're pretty skittish. I mean, like, uh, like, honestly, like, I, I would be really nervous to talk to Tinian. <clears throat> like, I would, yeah, I, I would be very happy that we would have the opportunity, but like, um, considering the subject matter that he's constantly, you know, pumping out, like the the latest issue of something killing something is killing something is killing the children, is probably one of the. If there was like one scene, and we'll we'll talk about it on dark, um, that completely eclipsed anything dark or macabre or uh, disturbing, however you want to put it, in, in one splash page. Like, oh. uh, so, Mr. Tinian, tell me about uh, these butchered kids over here. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, like. Like, 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 the, what, uh, I've got a better one. I've got a better one. Uh, Brett Easton Ellis, the guy that wrote, uh, American, uh, American Psycho. He was approached mm-hmm. by, uh, he was get, doing an interview and someone asked him, would you ever do an American Psycho 2? And he's like, absolutely freaking not. At, under no circumstances would I do that. And this, this woman kept pushing and he was like, you have no idea the place I was in my mind when I wrote that book and under no circumstances will I ever return there. And, uh, when it comes to Tinian, I mean, he's, I mean, like Joker, uh, everything that was going on in Batman, uh, the closet, something's killing the children, house of slaughter. Um, I've told you before when I was trying to write, um, one particular thing, which I realized today, I don't ever want to do it. Um, when I was just knee deep in writing it, when I took a break, like just a week break, I had a friend tell me like, Oh, so you stopped writing that for a minute. I'm like, yeah, I just need a break. And he's like, dude, thank God. Cause you were not the same person. Like you were in a very, it seemed like you were in a very bad place. And I'm like, I felt fine. <laughs> like, um, but it turns out I was in a, in a, in a, it's not anything to go into. It's just one of those things. And, um, you know, wrestlers are who they are. Artists are who they are. And, you know, we got work to do, man. We got, like, uh, I was thinking about it today. Well, we, we've just touched the, we, we've mentioned it a bunch of times in the past couple episodes, the amount of work and accomplishments we have done in the past year and a half. Almost two. Yeah. Almost two. 
can you imagine where we're going to be in four years if we keep this momentum going? It's, no, I it's, really thought about it, but yeah. It's not going to be uh, – it's going to be ten times more work. We're going to be tired even way more of the time. But hopefully one day someone's going to be doing a podcast uh, joking with their buddy about how um, – Tony Morales and Joshua Michael robbed them again at the store. <laughs> yeah. Good old Uncle McFarlane over there. Uncle McFarlane. Needs another, needs another pool. And a new hat. And a new hat. And a new hat for his new hat. <laughs> his new hat needs a hat. Yes, it does. And uh, Good old Joshua Michael is going to be paying, putting the bill on that one, too. Dude, that, that, that new Ghostmaker, and then they announced the... Uh, uh, they were gorgeous, by the way. They, they they weren't my favorite from Blackest Night, but they're doing action mm-hmm. figures from Blackest Night, and there's no way they're not going to do the, the the whole line. They're, like that's just like if you don't do that, that's just money you're just not making. <laughs> like yeah, like getting that Sinestro, and then and then and it just occurred to me. <laughs> then they're going to do Brightest Day. <laughs> oh yeah. You, you might as well just find a basement to rent at this point. Move back home with my mom and dad. Listen, I got I was doing really well, but then Uncle Todd started doing Bright Day and I just, you know, I got a problem. <laughs> it's okay, I can quit anytime I want. <laughs> Come on, baby. Just just give me the money. <laughs> well, what are we doing first tonight, man? Because uh <laughs> this this has been an awesome conversation so far. But like, yeah, I, I I love the fact that we. I feel like getting dark out of our heads like kind of cleared a pathway. <laughs> like you know. Um, All right. Well, let's uh, let's do Robin first. Why don't you take point? Uh, all right, we got Robin. Robin issue thirteen, Shadow Wars part four. You know, a little bit of backup story, real quick. Uh, Rachel Ghoul had a change of heart. He had turned himself and Talia into the authorities. And then he was uh, murdered. He was assassinated by somebody who uh, was wearing Deathstroke's gear, but apparently was not Deathstroke. And now Talia, who was also shot, but, you know, not murdered, um, has sent out all of her assassins to destroy Deathstroke and anybody associated with Deathstroke to find him. He's grabbing the boat. Ah. The boy had to find his boat. Hey, I, I uh, saw those... That is uh, imperative for him sleeping, apparently. I, I, think it, his boat. I think it is, because I saw the post that Mrs. Morales was doing in Legos is on the on the table. By the way, I've got some Legos for you. Nice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. Um, so we start off with uh, Batman flying the Batplane, talking with Oracle, trying to, you know, and Batman's like, I don't need to find Deathstroke. I need to find Damien. You know, he vowed to find Slade. He vowed to find Slade. And if I know my son, he already has. And sure enough, we see Damien and Ravager. Uh, fighting Deathstroke and Respawn as the issue starts. And they are in a hidden base 
in San Francisco, one of de- many that Deathstroke has. This one, he just wanted to be close to the Teen Titans because they are always, you know, fighting. You know, and Deathstroke's like, you know, Deathstroke's like, you know, you don't think I'll kill us all just to make, you know, get out of here? And we find out that he had already wired explosives all over his base of operations. Now, now, g- give give me a second here. Um, the big red button on the wall that you're not supposed to push. Does, like, like, uh, uh, like, really, like, like, Deathstroke is going to have that button there. I mean, it's obviously a self-destruct the whole building button. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Hey, what's this button do? No, don't. <laughs> yeah, no, he he's got a big red button and. Big red button is, of course, gonna blow up the building. Beep, and he does. Yeah, as they as they're escaping, you know, of course, Damien and Ravager catch up to him, and then, you know, Slade's over here trying to, you know, make his case about how he didn't do it, and responds like, you know, and Damien's like, why should I trust you? And responds like, because I'm you, sort of. He takes his mask off. And, you know, we find out that apparently um, Rachel Ghoul had uh, gotten some DNA from Slade, mixed it with his own daughter's DNA, and created Respawn. So Respawn is basically Damien's stepbrother. Uh, half-brother. <laughs> Half brother, the the other oh, thing, like armchair book in here. One, it's Nega Damien. Number two, um, back to our conversations we've had multiple, multiple times. Uh, we've got um, respawn appearing in what like issue two of 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 Robin, maybe one. Uh, about I think how, yeah, I think it was a issue one or two. Yeah, definitely the one in the first two. You, you gotta pay attention. Don't fall asleep on on things like like I, I guarantee you right now, everyone is clamoring for first appearance of respawn. Yeah, definitely. This is gonna up the ante a little bit. Finding out he is uh, Damien's half brother. Especially, you know, it's kind of funny though because I kind of look at it like his his outfit is very reminiscent of Deadpool. Very and Which spawn. Is always, always funny, because you know the whole joke was always that uh, Deadpool was basically a blatant ripoff blatant. of Deathstroke. Blatant, like the the only thing even like that comes close to as blatant is the Sentry with Superman. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. But why not? Right? But it's really funny because you know he's you know Damon's like I have a brother, and then he actually smiles at the concept of having a brother. But yeah, you can definitely see the uh, the thought process on the whole Nega Damien because you know you see this wild look in his eye as he goes to you know basically kill his brother. Slinging and we find out slinging chains, much like Spawn. <laughs> oh, it's a twofer ripoff. It's a twofer. <laughs> ah. Double your ripoffs, double your fun. Right. But yeah, no, we find out that Respawn is apparently insanely jealous of Damien for having two parents that love him and him, you know, just kind of throwing it all away. 
because we find out that um, Rachel Gould basically created Respawn to experiment on because Talia would not allow Damien to be experimented on by his grandfather. So this is all kinds of screwed up. Yeah, there's there's a lot going wrong here. Um, now, since... Um, <laughs> Respawn knows who Damien is. Mm-hmm. And Deathstroke knows who Damien's mother is. Is it implied that he knows who Bruce is? Oh, completely and utterly, yeah, no doubt. And I think that's one of the reasons that they just kind of, you know, once Batman gets there, you know, they just have a, you know, what equates to a rational conversation. You know, he, you know, he just says, you know, I didn't kill Rache, but I should have. You know, then before they get too far into it, he gets a message from Dr. Moon, who is being tortured. And they find out that they're gonna that they're gonna kill everybody and they're gonna kill Phobia. And you know, they're like, you know they're trying to bar- bargain with him, Batman's trying to be like, I'll turn him in, blah 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 and then you know, his last words, you know, tell her I'd tell her I really did love her and then Merlin just puts an arrow through his head and just obliterate them. Wonderful scene. I mean, I'm not saying I like seeing people being butchered, but like this, this had a lot of impact. It did. You know, we see that. Uh, you know, before you know, Batman's talking about t- still taking him in regardless, and you know, before Deathstroke can really get too far into it, you know, he's like, it's really funny that, you know, I didn't do it, you know, but I'm a bad guy, so you can't help me out. You know, what kind of hero does it make you when you get to pick and choose who you save, basically? Mm-hmm. And then he throws a grenade off the top of this building towards the people. And Batman and Damien jump down to, to save these people. While Deathstroke and Respawn escape, obviously. Uh, with Ravenger, by the way. Now, I've got two questions on this on this scene here. Number one, did you ever notice the D on Damien's belt, but he's still got the R up on the, over his heart. Number two, there's, mm-hmm. there's four innocent bystanders that take off, but the, uh, oh, I see the legs there. They only, it only appears they only saved two of the four. And, um, yeah, it's gotta be some casualties sometimes. <laughs> some collateral damage. Exactly. Yeah, no, they, they run in two different directions, you're correct. I didn't see the legs. Like, did they only just save two? <laughs> like, yeah. Can't make an omelet without cracking a couple of eggs. Hey, it's, got, it's, it's Gotham, right? What a town. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, this is San Francisco. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got Venom, they got the Teen Titans, they got now they got Deathstroke. I mean, you're, it's going to happen. But, yeah, no, but we really get the sense Alfred passing. We got, like, the first real bit of communication between Bruce and Damien. Right. You know, and Batman's like, you know, you, you believe them? And Damien's like, yeah, you know, if, you know, I looked into Respawn's face and I could tell, you know, tell, you know, he wasn't lying because I know what I do when I lie. And he's like, you know, Deathstroke didn't kill my grandfather. 
And as Damien starts to walk off, we see Batman talking about, you know, I failed you, you know, I failed you in many ways, you know, how can I, how, what can I do to start fixing our relationship, basically? And Damien being a teenager is like, let me drive. And next thing you know, he's flying the bat plane. And you know, they're, just, you know, they're trying to figure out, you know, who killed Rachel Ghoul. You know, and then we find out that, uh, Batman called in some backup to help the uh, the rest of Rache's crew, basically. No, not Rache's crew. Uh, Deathstroke's crew. And we turn the page, and we see Prometheus fighting two, you know, two assassins. And then next thing you know, they're stopped by a couple of guys off panel. And it's the return of uh, our good buddies Ghostmaker and Clown Hunter. And they tell Prometheus he's officially under the protection of Batman Incorporated. So, do you think we're getting Batman Incorporated again? Because I sure as hell hope so. Or just even a, just a Ghostmaker comic? Because like, I'm still I'm still confused. Ghostmaker showed up to finish what? Bruce off, and now he's just still casually just chilling, helping out without question. Raising a, a boy that's yeah. not his as his ward, and um, there's there's still a, a lot of distrust with me on that one, and the fact that Bruce is cool with it, which oh, uh, we're we're gonna find out they're half brothers, and his name's really Juice Wayne. <laughs> Juice Wayne, no, I, that's exactly what's gonna happen, man. Like there's, like like, especially can, with what we're what's going on here, where you find out we've got another set of half brothers, and like Bruce found out he had a brother, and that that's why he's cool with it. Like, you know, like he, I, I maybe like Ghostmaker's just waiting for Bruce to not live up to his expectations and show some weakness. And okay, now now I'm, now you're not what I thought you were, and now I gotta kill you. What if we find out that he's actually his older brother, John? As long as they don't do, and this is... This you, haven't is put, you haven't put it together yet, have you? No. John Wayne. <laughs> ah. All right, I get there it. There it is. Now, as long as they don't do what they did and butcher the story, uh, what uh, what happened in uh, the pages of New X-Men, where mm -hmm. Grant Morrison had a plan of who Zorn should be, and then the too many cooks in the kitchen said, no, it's Magneto. And and then just ruined everything. Like, ruined everything so much that Grant Morrison has vowed to never write for Marvel Comics ever again. Because they ruined his baby. And Until he does. <laughs> <laughs> until he does. And cheers, cheers to that, actually. Because you know, uh, that's another rule I learned in wrestling. Never say never. But uh, i got to say, with us, uh, there's one rule. And rest, wrestling bridges are mostly flame retardant. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed that issue, man. It was uh, uh, the artwork was just absolutely on par. Uh, I really one of the things I got a kick out of this was how many um, sound effect noises were going on, like when um, what's his name, the going back here, Moon, getting the arrow in his head. There's a lot of thought that goes into thick split. <laughs> like, 
Like, yeah. For and then into killing a man. And and like, what would the sound of an arrow going into a guy's head actually sound like? Um, Respawn and Damien crack, crack. There's everything is a different font. Clink. Uh, and then when Respawn throws the uh, the chains rematch. Right when you said that, like you know, uh, the he's, he got he got them crazy eyes. Another different font. Yep. Crack to Slade's head. Uh, kaboom. I mean, there was a lot of, um, you know, holy rusted metal Batman on this one. Yep. That's a lot of good stuff here. The, the other thing that sticks out is the advertisement for the Jurassic League. Um, this looks actually pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely could be. We'll see what, uh, see what happens with it. Definitely might be something worth, uh, checking out. You want to go ahead and do Deathstroke Inc.? Because... That's part two, right? Oh, this show game was before it, actually. Oh, that my bad. That was part three. Robin was part four. Okay, gotcha. So that's what that was your recap at the beginning. Yeah. All right. Uh, Joker. This one. This one was difficult for me, but I loved it. Really. I like the cat and mouse game that's going on with this investigator with Commissioner Gordon. It's not one of those scenes where they're playing good cop, bad cop. He's loading his pipe that he still just likes to have in his mouth and puffs up a little bit. And we find out, you know, the what happened at the at the compound and. Well, before you do that, though, real quick, I want to point out the fact that uh, Chief Detective Hollows has her arm back. Oh! Because that's the one that uh, that's the French arm chick. ripped off by Vengeance. Yeah. You can see how her arm got sewn back on. There it is. Yep. All right, so then it's been weeks. Wow, thank you. I thought this was just some random investigator chick. I didn't realize it was the same chick in Paris. Yeah, it's the same one. What were your first what were your first thoughts getting in this? I mean, like and before you actually and and just to give our props to Tinian here, like when I opened the pages here, I, I, I took a deep breath. I was like, Okay. We don't have much Tinian in DC right now, or probably for a very long time. I want to yeah, enjoy no, every moment. Yep. But yeah, no, it's been a, you know, the Joker story has been great. You know, we got a, it's, it's super interesting because we see Joker, you know, it's called Joker, but it's really a Jim Gordon story. Right. But like we see, you know, everybody's trying to kill the Joker. We've got vengeance. We've got Jim Gordon. We've got the court of owls. Apparently we, you know, we find out we got Bane involved in this we've got uh the samson family you know we've got all you know you know it's it's a who's who trying to just kill the joker and yet 15 issues in he's not dead yet we were like what five issues in when we found out tinian was leaving and we had until february like Mm -hmm. i like this is just it's it's wonderful to me. Like uh, not dead yet. 
the one thing that really just really popped really popped me was when Jim's back home, one in the streets of Gotham, and we go back to the same mural that we saw when uh, A Day just happened, and we learned Bane mm-hmm. was dead. It's the same mural. I love it. Like like yeah. way, way to way to way to go back to something that really stuck out. I think we use this. Didn't we use this as a cover for one of the issues of Minefields? I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, I feel like we did. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, no. But then we like we're going over this, and they're talking about stuff, and we see the images on the TV of the uh, the Samson family dinner. Oh. And that that's you know quite grotesque. Obviously, you know we see a face with some. Uh, you know we can't tell what's in there in between the where the eyes should be, but we see you know we see grapes making up the hair of this face. And hands, and we see finger food, which is actually fingers. And we see, uh, we see eyeballs. You know, we just see this entire, like, lovely cannibalistic dinner. Just the placement. So the placing of the dishes is just—it's—it's interesting. No, this 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 is extremely interesting. I have something really really cool to add to this. Obviously, I can't say who I work for online or for anywhere, actually, because uh, we're talking about. I had a customer today that was a very cantankerous man. He was in his, uh, I want to say he was in his 80s. Okay. And uh, trying to make some conversation with the gentleman, and uh, he mentions he used to be a cop. Where were you a cop? He says, Milwaukee. And I was like, hold on a second. I don't know if this speaks to how absolutely idiotic I am. When were you a cop in Milwaukee? And he's like, from the 70s to the mid-90s. And I was like, so you were there when they caught Dahmer? And he was like, oh, I was there. Really? Yes. Now, perfect thing with this, where you're talking about uh, right, so what we saw in the last issue, where we saw them eating eyeballs like it was like a, a freaking crouton or an olive. Um, mm. I asked him. I didn't, I didn't go too deep because monitored line type thing, you know, I don't want my, you know, the upper echelon to know how twisted I am. I, I actually had a million more questions, but I didn't, obviously. But it's he said I saw all of the photos. Oh. And and he said all of the photos. And I was like, well, I saw this documentary uh, about how um, it wasn't based on Dahmer. It was focused on the head detective, the former crackhead, now saved and social worker, God bless her. Seriously, God bless this woman for pulling herself out of that in now she's a social worker helping people and then the mortician now you just hit the nail on the head where you and I saw what really happened in last issue and mm-hmm. we in conjunction with this nice gentleman he didn't offer details he wasn't excited to talk about it but he was definitely excited to talk about like being a police officer because I could tell he could he missed it yeah 
And then he went into details about... No, I got to tell you that offline. I can't, I can't do that on camera. Um, gotcha. But um, this is exactly what I was experiencing today. Like, I, I didn't think of it that way um, because we'd seen it already. What a great mm-hmm. way... What a great... Uh, um, I'm trying to put it in the, in the, in the right context here of um, observation that we're they what we see a hand there's some fingers like a blooming onion but what we saw in the last issue like remember i was like this is a snuff film yeah and now we're now we're here and jim is i messaged my friend that isn't a true crime about Mm -hmm. my experience today and she was like, what did you ask him? And then I was like, I couldn't like really ask too much, but um, he just didn't give an F. And she's like, what a grizzled badass. And I will put that on there on purpose. Nice. Uh, Eight to two. Yeah. She's like, former cop that doesn't give an F. And that is everything. Like... Like, uh, the, 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 the page where, uh, she hands him the photo of Bane. Look, look at his eyes. Does he care? Is, is anything she's going to say to him going to affect him? <laughs> no, that's the thing. It's like, Gordon's played both sides of this a million times. Like, he knows, he knows what she's looking for. But I do love the fact that when she puts the hands, the pictures down, she's using the hand that Vengeance ripped off. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like that's for her definitely for added effect. 100%. But even then, you know, at the end, she's just like, did you kill the Joker? And he just sits there puffing on his pipe. That freaking smirk on his face, man, is just glorious. Like, <laughs> woman, like, you don't even want to get, you don't even want to get where I'm going. Like, like, just. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, we turn the page, we go back to, we see events. You know, we got Vengeance holding the Joker up against the wall of the uh, Samson house. You know, Bane holding her hand, holding her back. But even then, Gordon's just sitting, standing behind Bane, puffing his pipe. Just gonna let this, let this, let this, let it happen. You know, and then, you know, Bane's over trying to tell her, you know, this is your programming, you know, why would, and then she's just like, why don't you just let me kill him? And Joker's over here crying. He's laughing so hard, talking about how great this is. And, you know, Jim pulls his gun on Joker, talking about how he's not going to go anywhere while Vengeance and Bane start to go at it. And Bane just grabs her by the mouth and throws her to the ground. And with one punch, brings her to her knees, you know, letting her know that, you know, she's just, you know, she's just a petulant child to him. You know, he's telling her, you know, you if you want to really be strong, you can't, ha- you can't let your emotions be part of this. You know, after he punches her in the head, takes her down with one punch, he's looking at her, be like, Free your mind. We just saw this in Robin. 
Yeah. We just saw this in Robin, and we're, we're probably going to see it in a future comics with uh, Ghost Baker and, and Clown Killer. Yeah. Yeah, we go back and... Uh, Gordon still got his gun trained on the Joker. And he's and Joker's just going off about how great this is. And, you know, then he turns to Jim. He's like, you know, you want to make a bet on which one's going to actually make it out of this alive? And Gordon's like, I've already made my bet. And Joker just turns around. He's like, takes like a second to really think about his next words. Which is really interesting when you think about it. Because how often does Joker, like, pause for effect? That's a great like he's always He's always just kind of like, bam, bam, bam. Ten steps ahead of you, or trying to screw with Bruce's mind. You can't screw. With, you can't screw with, with Gordon. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he's been doing this forever. But yeah, he ends up just you know making Joker go with him. That we don't you know know where as of yet. But he's just like you know. You made some kind of murky, horrible deal, didn't you? Something you're never going to be able to live with. And then he just starts laughing. I told you, Jim. I told you I was going to win. And Jim just looks at him and is like, shut up and come with me. You know, we head back to Gotham City and we see that mural you're talking about, the one of Bane and little Santa Prisca. And Jim's just walking, walking the streets of Gotham and, like, just kind of figuring out what's happened while he's been gone. You know, we talk, he looks at uh, Arkham Tower. And he thinks about, you know, all the people that are, that are gone. You know, he looks up, you know, sees uh, the whole thing with uh, the magistrate, and Peacekeeper, Peacekeeper 1. You know, all this stuff has happened while Jim was away. And that's got to, you know, as a, as a guy that's been, that was a police commissioner for so long, that's got to weigh on him. Like he left his town and all of a sudden it got even crazier. But he's fearlessly walking the streets. Yeah, walking the streets, walking the subway, you know, taking on these punks and their clown mask. And at the end of the day, he ends up calling, calling Babs, calling his daughter. You know, and he's basically here to, you know, wanting to ask for forgiveness. And she's like, I'm, just, I'm not ready. And he's just like, it's fine. You know, we can talk when you're ready. You don't need to pretend for me. And, you know, but she just wants, she tells him, you know, he, she wanted to give you a heads up. He knows. Now, and that's my sure we know who he is. That's my question. Is he knows as in Bane knows, Joker knows that you're Batgirl? Oh, oh no! I'm, I totally think it's Batman knows what you did to the Joker. Oh, all right. No, you know, I, I, they, I, they exchange "I love yous" and hang up. But yeah, no. Uh, he ends up taking Joker to the woman that paid him to, you know. Uh, to kill the Joker. You know, the woman who 
involved with the Court of Owls. You know, Joker's, I think, actually a little surprised teaming with Bane and the Court of Owls. And then he starts running down a list of who else is here, you know. How many condiment kings here, you know. <laughs> you know how many Batman baddies do you get out in on this big scheme? Right. And then he ends up hitting him in the back of the head with his gun, telling him to shut up. Just a pistol whip. And Joker, he, you know, flinches, but even then, he's just not... There's just some, there's this extra gravitas to, to Jimbo here. Like, there's, like, you, you've gone through all of this, and, you know what, not going to question it. I am the Joker. Not going to question you here, Jimbo. Yeah. But, yeah, no, we get a little bit of a, a little bit of a backstory. She talks about how her dad was uh, the Grandmaster of the Court of Owls, but he was overthrown, and he was going to team with Bane. He teamed with Bane um, to get his power back, and that failed, which we could find out in uh, James Cheney and the Force Talon on sale now. But she talked about how she was, you know, she was hiding from the Court of Owls for years, and she was going to tear down everything and then build it up her own way. You know, she just needed to force someone's hand to act. And you know, they go back talking about how all this was a, all this was a scheme, about how they used her, uh, her father's technology, to. Um, gave it to the people of Santa Prisca and they were able to make vengeance with it. You know, they, uh, they bid higher than her, than her father was able to keep, to bid to keep it. It, and then they ended up concocting a plan. What was that? It, it, it just, these flashback scenes, I mean, like we see all the, the babies. No, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about a different comic, but, a different, a different comic book that has a bunch of uh, fetuses in green yeah. goo, green goo in tubes like that, and uh, that was Berserker. We'll do that next week. Um, gotcha. There's the, the, so many. There's so many little nuances here, like Pouty Joker. Um, I can't believe I'm getting bested by here, but then like Jimbo walks in, and without even thinking or th- actually with thinking absolutely thinking opens up a bottle of whiskey and grabs two glasses and sits down and pours two and says come on you don't need to play it that way I know you're here <laughs> like Bats yeah. comes out you know where is that joker you know and a little sad we get that to be concluded but you know we've gotten a couple more issues than we should but Jimbo like can you imagine this state of? Do you know what fugue state means? No. It's an in between stasis. It's not a purgatory. It's waiting for something. And also, specifically, in a set amount of time, from one po- from point A to point Z, you did something, and a lot of things happen but you don't remember what happened. Mm. And Interesting. Complete opposite of Fugue State. He remembers everything. I, I, I just, I, I, I'm just completely, I can't get over how cool his eyes Gordon is here. 
He walks in and pours two drinks. Like, like Batman's not wearing cologne. It's not like smelling big guns when you walk into a venue. <laughs> like, you know, big guns is there. I'm not shitting on big guns. Big guns is awesome. But we know big guns is there because we can smell his his uh, his parfum. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, through everything that's gone down, Gordon's been steady as a rock. You know, this is the guy that, you know, we've brought up the killing joke before about how Gordon, you know, was able to survive that. You know, comparatively, this is probably cake for him because, you know, his family's not involved near as much. No. But, yeah, you know, we find out that, you know, she was, you know, she's the one that set up A-Day. You know, she's the one that, you know, set up, you know, led everything with, you know, everything's been coming together this whole time. And the whole time she's not, you know, she wants to take down the Court of Owls. You know, she wants, you know, possibly rebuild in her own image, possibly not. She wants to tear down not only that, she wants to tear down the people that built the Court of Owls. Every single one of them. Like, everything involving... You know all the all the places where Joker was able to run to previously, all these people funding people like the Samson family and keeping them out of trouble. Right. She's trying to tear that all down. Does that make her a bad person? Does it make her a hero? There's there's only losers in this story. There's no winners. Like there's. Yeah, you can kill the Joker. Yeah, you can violate your father's trust or your daughter's trust you can violate batman's trust here and like like i i can't for the life of me think of a time when batman in any way was intimidating gordon or or or, or demanded something out of him the way he's demanding him like like right now this mm-hmm. just waiting for him in, in his home i mean like He's waited for him at his home a million times, but it was always to like discuss a, a, a case or protect him, but certainly not to accost him. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, no, I mean, like I said, it ends, you know, where is the Joker? And that's kind of the thing, you know, the last thing we see with Jim with the Joker is a flashback to the first issue with that the, the veteran cop when Gordon was a rookie. And talking about, you know, when you see pure evil, you aim for the head. And he's got a gun to the back of Joker's head. Old school Magnum, too. Yeah. Old school Magnum. The, the uh, You see that side plate? Mm-hmm. The, they don't make guns like that no more. With the, that's, a, that's like a 70s, 80s gun. That, that's a... Uh, that like that's something you see on old school World War Two guns and revolvers like like uh, or a gun you'd like get a toy gun of back in the eighties uh, that those aren't made anymore. He's he's using tried and true. <laughs> yep. He's using th- that really stuck out to me there, and uh, I still we still don't know how Joker you know has the one pink eye if that's a fake one, but it's definitely not doing. The oh, that's because yeah, that's because Harley freaking blew his head, blew him, shot him in the eye. Yeah, but when we we still I I can't recall when he got the ex- his eye back. I think they just he just showed up at the end of a uh, Joker issue one when he opened the door. He just had the eye. Yeah. This B 
story pissed me off. This was a whack story, dude. Like, I just... <laughs> like, I, I don't even want to get... I mean, the artwork was great. Um, Storyline-wise, okay, so we've got a... Uh, uh, a burnout military woman who's lost everything living on the streets turns to heroin. I mean, like, the, that that side black and white where she's heating up a spoon. Like, that, uh... Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they let that fly. Not, I wasn't offended by it. I'm just saying I'm surprised they let that fly in the first place. Like, well, you're teaching kids how to use heroin. Uh, they've got the internet. Be, like, seriously, black tar heroin... Getting lit with a cigarette lighter. Um, I, I I really think this punchline thing is going nowhere. Like she seemed cool at first, and I thought it was cool, but it, I I wasn't invested. And I just think she's just a hack, man. Yeah, it's not. It hasn't been great. Like yeah, I think they're trying really hard to make her the next uh the next harley or the anti-harley but like you really can't like that stuff's got to happen organically you can't just force it and like because she's got a great look you know she's got a cool little backstory i like the the fact that she utilizes social media the way she does but like i I could really have her go away for six months to a year and, you know, then bring her back. Because there's, like, punchline's cool, but you you, you, you get her every month. And, and like, unless you're, unless you're already a fan, you know, it's, it's, they haven't been the best stories. No, they have not. And I just, I mean, like, with, with Harley, we always knew from the beginning that it was a, vicious violent toxic relationship and it's never going to work but and now yeah. we have the girl that's you know going to fix him and going to pick up the pieces that Harley couldn't and that's just it's just a fool's errand man it's it, punchline i mean the name rings great but how long until uh and you said this the other day it really stuck out with me uh we were talking about Sammy Guevara until the, the Joker's done with her, and then she's screwed. <laughs> yeah. Like, they made... They really went out of their way to make Harley's redemption arc of her breaking up with Joker and being done with the situation. Like, that is... That was a comic book unto itself, basically. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And like, you can't just do that and get... And you can't just... You, you have to... That, that takes planning. That takes time. You have to build... Build it up to tear it down, basically, to build her up again. But like, you're you're trying to do something in like a year that should really take about three to five, probably. Agreed. Um, it too much, too fast. But let's uh let's take a quick break before uh, we get into detective because we can't leave the streets of uh, Gotham too fast. That's true. Yeah, let's uh, quick break in here. We'll be right back. Cool. Like a plan. And we're uh, we're back, but we're also back on the Batman beat. He's no longer in the UK. We've got a 
decent cover. I mean, I get it. The people wearing the the green to make the question that you know we're getting into a Riddler story. But I really enjoyed this. Mark of Doom. We see the dawn of the day through the Gotham sky rise and his. What would you call that sort of mustache? The backstash? The the twirly thing. I hate those mustaches. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hipster. Hipster, you know he's sitting there drinking an IPA, and he's just waiting to. Exactly. He's wait. He's waiting for to be able to mention how vegan he is. Yeah. And he's got three too many bumper stickers on his car. <laughs> yeah. Coexist, baby. Yeah, he just needs to freaking... He just he needs longer hair. That's all he's missing. And it might even come out from under his bowler cap. Oh, yeah. As he goes and works at the cupcake store, that's going to be shut down in three three months because no one gives a damn about cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. that's one. <laughs> Nine to two, sucker. All right. All right, you got it. Fine. Yeah, I know. Yeah, joke. Uh, Riddler's on the air. He's doing, you know, he is telling people, the people that got them, he's podcasting, basically. He ripped us off. He completely ripped mine us off. With, mine feels with the Riddler. You know, those, those people in Helsinki, they've been really respectful, but I'm not too happy with what the Riddler's doing. Exactly. Well, yeah, no, yeah, you know, he's uh, he's dishing his own version of, new, of current events, and telling people to fear not. Yeah, you know, they're just getting started, and we go to the uh, the Gotham courthouse, and we uh, we're sitting here with Judge Donovan. You know, as she uh, she ends up leaving the courtroom, going to her offices. And then she sees a bomb in her in her trash can, and she tells everyone to clear. You know, she starts running, telling and you know, clearing the building, try to get everybody out. As Batman dives in, and turns out there is two bombs in there, and Batman dives out the window. Kaboom! Did you notice it was a Mokia phone? <laughs> Does it actually say Mokia? It says that's amazing. It says Mokia. Well, that's better than the Sorny we use for backup camera at New Era. <laughs> Mokia. So you know it. It does say Mokia. I didn't even pick up on that. That's <laughs> hilarious. I think I had a Mokia back in the day. Totally had a Mokia. Oh, circa 2001. But, Sheesh. But if we plug that in, it would still work. That battery's still at 50%. <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows what happened to that phone after it might have used it as like a baseball or something eventually. Sheesh. But yeah, no, um Then Deb Donovan, our favorite new uh reporter. Lover. In Gotham. Freaking gets a call. And she runs out and heads to the hospital. And we end up finding out that uh Judge Donovan over here is her daughter. 
So that's super. I, I think that's really interesting that we have a news reporter who's a mother of, of the judge in she, town. She's connected. Oh. You know, they, they talk a little bit and, you know, Deb definitely wants to uh, bring the bring whoever set the, you know, tried to, you know, kill her daughter to justice. And her daughter's telling her, just let the, let the cops do their job. You know, oh, I'm okay. I'm good. You know, and as, as Deb leaves, she ends up bumping into Bruce Wayne, who's also going to see her daughter. I don't like this and, depiction you know, of Bruce. You know what? I don't like this depiction of Bruce. He looks, I don't know. Have we been spoiled with him just being too hot for the past two years and... He's got a little bit of receding hairline. You tell he's a little bit older. He, he just—he looks older, yeah. That's really what it comes down to. He just looks—he looks a little older. I dig the stripes. Uh, anytime I see the horizontal stripes, I just think of the uh, Bruce Wayne action figure from '89. Man, <laughs> nice. Yeah, he's definitely trying to, you know, smoothly get out what information he can from her. As he drops off the flowers, and turns out that uh, her friend had actually wanted her to introduce herself to Bruce previously at a at a party a while ago, and freaking you know she just couldn't bring herself to do it. And then she's like, oh, "I guess I won't be seeing you around those kind of parties anymore, huh?" And he's like, and "Without you know, without skipping a beat, he's like, now that I'm broke." And she's like, well, 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 you know, she starts like, what I mean is. And then he's just like, you know, maybe we can have a cheap drink somewhere sometime. And then she just responds, but I enjoy cheap drinks with expensive people. And he's just like, I'll see you soon. So yeah. that'll be interesting. Yeah, I would love to see a relationship. I, I would really love to see Bruce and I don't want to see him in a fling. Like, uh, I, I, I'm a little torn because I, a lot of times I see the what goes on back and forth between Mary Jane and Spider-Man and her understanding, but not really. Um, you know, Bruce actually having someone in his life other than Selina that's, you know, not just a rooftop liaison. Um, he has Silver St. Cloud. Well, there was that. Well, now this next page here is uh, we see him. He had Nocturna for a while. <laughs> he's he, he's a player, man. There's no doubt about that. And these chicks didn't know he's. I think, he, I think he had Chase Meridian for a minute too. Oh, he definitely had Chase. That was. That was. Well, we turned. That was another one for a minute. Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale, of course. But nonetheless, you were saying. We turned the page here, and it occurred to me that, okay, so you and I follow no... You and I have... I don't, I don't know if we've never just said it, uh, or it's just one of those things that it just it was a set precedent. You and I in no way follow anything that should... way we should do things in pro wrestling. You've, you and I have done things that are just completely off the beaten path. So everyone always Good has... To you. Huh? Been known to, yes. Yeah. We're, we're pretty successful at it. Everyone always wears fanny packs. We need utility belts. 
<laughs> You're not necessarily wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, if we had a cool enough looking utility belt that, I mean, like, I mean, like, this is an old school throwback with you know, the pouch pouches instead of the, the boxes mm-hmm. that hold mystery item number two or, or four that probably too big to actually fit in there for real and the the the, the bat signal there's no texture to his uh to his outfit it looks just like standard spandex like there's no um indication that there's any sort of bulletproofness or uh place oh no this is this is totally his casual bat suit ca- these are his jammies these are his comfies okay gotcha he's he's he yeah. he, he, he he took that off uh what's with these extra bat helms around here there's a pink one and a and a blue one with a, a a gray one with blue accents. I've never seen those. Or, or am I missing something here? They probably all have di- they probably all have different utilities, such as like the uh, like Peacemaker's helmet from the uh, award-winning Peacemaker series. The award-winning Peacemaker series. Hell yeah. Yeah, they probably one to one does like a sonic boom. One has like a nacho dispenser in the back for when you're hungry. <laughs> And then, One is like laser eyes. And then he bumps into Mason Ramoa asking about his relationship with bats. <laughs> we, we, we exactly where this is going. If we find some old school, uh, just completely random, if we find some Nokias on the road, like, because we end up in the random streets uh, and random stores, if we find some Nokias that still work, like, as in, like, they still, like, power up. Uh, uh-huh. We can get them to work. T-Mobile uh, will will sell you the smaller SIM card that will fit in those and get those to work for real. I don't know. You're on a mission. I'm on a mission, man. If I find yeah. an old, if I find an old Mokia <laughs> or or, uh, or or a Razor, you're damn right. I'm gonna have a, a, a damn Razor in my pocket, man. It's two. Ah. Uh... <laughs> Abuelita friendly. Abuelita, she's gone to bed. No, we can't do that. We we got the rules. Abuelita will be disappointed in you. No, she's up late watching her soaps. I woke up. Abuelita. She's watching her novellas right yeah. now. We 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 interrupted her novella. She had to come into the room and be like, "Yo, <laughs> mijito, language, cállate." <laughs> exactly. All right, so I know yeah, he's uh, done with the belt. Batman's over here looking at these, you know, this Moki is trying to figure <laughs> out, talking about how this is obviously not a professional job. You know, trying to figure out who would want to, you know, explode a judge. And he's looking up all the uh, recent sentencing, and just, you know, looking at these, uh, looking at security cameras, and seeing there are two people here that uh. Two janitors that don't quite belong. Just wearing standard civil worker stuff. So he decides to go visit one of them. And he goes to this woman's house. And she basically is like, yeah, put me in jail. You know, you caught me. Take me just take me in. Hmm. And then we go back to... You know, seeing the Riddler telling the Gothamites, you know, why can't we just have a day without tragedy? Does anybody truly know what lies in the heart of the person next to you? Doesn't take the world's greatest detective to figure that one out. And speaking of which, Batman, 
What is the call that can only be heard around the when the fat lady sings? And then we end up at a at a opera house, a theater, and there's a another dead gentleman in a balcony. He was just stabbed in his seat at the end of the show. <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> That's gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, to answer the riddle, the uh, the curtain call is the last call. But yeah, and we just find, you know, just trying to figure out everything right now. Batman is just trying to, trying to get clues as to what's going on. And then the uh, one of the officers gets a call. Actually, it looks like uh, actually Batman gets the call. So if we got some uh, lethal gas, you know, Batman runs over to the bank to help everybody out with that, and he ends up catching the guy that did it. And he's just, you know, he's like, "My name's John Harper." And I'm sorry that he blows his brains out. You know, and he's just like, you know, back at the Bat Cave. Well, the, uh, you know, where he goes now, since he you know, doesn't have access to the Bat Cave anymore. Talking about how four people are involved in major crimes, all of them op- openly confess, and none of them have criminal records. No connections, socially or professionally, and yet one right after the other. So he's over here still trying to figure everything out, and then here comes the Riddler yet again. You know, three tragedies in 24 hours. A trinity, if you will. You know, trinities are holy. Good things come in threes. Third time's a charm. But nothing good comes out of Gotham, does it? This were a sermon. But let me tell you, what Gotham needs is an exorcism. You know, who's up to the task? I dabble in numerology, as it happens. The thing about devils is that they disguise themselves before our very eyes. The road to hell is paved in good intentions. Batman, Batman, why hast thou forsaken me? You never answered my question. Riddle me this. When's a murderer not a murderer? The bodies are piling up, Batman. That's a riddle. Yep. Three tragedies in 24 hours. Trinities are holy, so he's referring to Jesus. He's referring to... Or a church. Or a church. There's also the idea of a triptych of three paintings that all make up one, um, mm-hmm. which are traditionally uh, portrayed in some sort of... Um, traditional triptychs are always um, church-based, religion-based, uh, perf- uh Primarily Roman Catholic, um, but nothing good comes out of Gotham. Just like we were talking about it earlier, about um, you, you walk the, the streets with a certain amount of knowing that danger's around you. But if this is a sermon, then Gotham needs an exorcism, which confuses me because what I was thinking of initially when I read this book was that he was doing, like, the, the saw crap, you know, like, where he's punishing people to punish other people, and how can you, you know, in some way understand your life. Um, but putting people... I feel like that, that's traps. more for, like, the next Batman in New York City, I feel like. That's more of a Jace thing. No, and I, I agree. I agree. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just spitballing here, because... 
it, it, there's more going on than just the riddles. There's the riddles, like he's everything. I, I feel like everything he's saying means something, and and all these people that were involved in setting up these um, acts of direct d- domestic terrorism all have something to hide. Mm-hmm. All of them have something to hide. And we got bats out here yeah. chilling outside Donovan's uh, hospital room, listening in on, a, on her Mokia. And, uh, <laughs> you know, don't ever call here. I did what I was supposed to. Um, no one was supposed to get hurt. And when it comes to the Riddler, after the movie, The Batman. That's the thing. I think this this is this is totally based off the thought process of the Riddler in the movie. Like that's totally what I'm getting off of this. Is that this is some straight up the Batman vibes. That is definitely an unfortunate thing. Like uh, when after Guardians of the Galaxy, um, the Guardians like were immediately went straight to look like their their media incantations as opposed to the tried and true mm-hmm. that we've been working on with Dan Abnett for so long that are so treasured, all of a sudden, you know, I guess those are crap now, and we got to focus on what everyone cares about, what we saw in the movie, um, whether it's to push the books mm-hmm. or to put people in a more familiar place. But at the same time, though, it, it, it also reminds me of the tried and true rule that any video game based on a movie sucks. <laughs> Yeah, not necessarily all of them. Some are actually better than the movies, like the uh, the old Wolverine game for the P, uh, Xbox 360. I actually never played that. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that Very sounds, gory. That sounds good enough just to buy an Xbox 360 just to, to play that game. Yeah, it's pretty bomb. But, like, all the Amazing Spider-Man, like, any, any of the... Well, let me phrase that. All the Spider-Man Oh, the Amazing games, Spider-Man was... Amazing Spider-Man 2 game was horrible. Oh, terrible. I've got that one. Uh, um, trying to think of some other ones that were just like the John Wick game is for PS4. I thought it was gonna be awesome. It's mm-hmm. one. Of, it's one of those like D and D games where you gotta like tell it what to do and then it plays out as opposed to you have actual control over the over the person. Uh, yeah, it's, it's more of a role playing game. Like, and I paid thirty dollars for that game. <laughs> like, I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted the the cheat code where everything is headshots and like no this game was this game was whack and I I want to give this writer was it uh, Mariko Tamaki and Nadia Shamas Ivan Rice doing pencils I want to give this a shot we're not not gonna give it a shot but when you're basing things off of a movie premise um, you're were you told to do this or did you have a really good idea and halfway through some guys, some suits came in and said, Hey, Hey, like the movie's doing real well. Like we got to change everything right away. <laughs> it's gotta be the Riddler now. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe they wanted to do a new Riddler story. I mean, Riddler, I mean, I could definitely see a reason to, you know, go for the Riddler since the movie came out and the movie was, you know, pretty well, well liked, but like, this one, I was like, yeah, yeah but it was just a little too too close to home with the, uh, what it's based on. I was like, oh, this just wasn't, wasn't as good as it could have been. This uh, Gotham Girl story afterwards was just, 
I, I couldn't even finish it. Like, number one, the artwork is a complete ripoff of everything Mike Allred does. Does Madman. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the one that uh, finished up um, Original Sin and um, everything that was going on uh, with Secret Wars. Um, I mean, Mike, Mike Allred's a legend. And this is Bush League Mike, All- Mike Allred ripoff artwork with with even gotcha. even with the same color palettes and but trying to do it in Gotham and it just doesn't work uh, like this is the worst mask I've ever seen in my life like this is the most ridiculous less less hi- uh, secret identity hiding mask I've ever seen in my life this is worse than Clark Kent's glasses <laughs> like and nice. she's, she's Gotham girl up high journaling and um, yeah, I, I just couldn't do it. Her logo's stupid. Like like this, none of this. And 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 before I get too far in hating on this, uh, I was watching an interview with um, Jim Carrey the other day, and he was talking about how when Ace Ventura came out, uh, Siskel and Ebert completely just poo pooed on it. Like this is one of the worst movies ever made. And then a couple of years later, they did a retrospective on him, and they literally said they were sorry. We just didn't get it. Now, that is my frame of mind here. Mm. That, is, that is my frame of mind here. I don't get it. I'm literally telling you, I don't get it. This might be a great story, yeah. and for some reason my sensibilities just are not having it. Um, do I want this artist to prosper and do better? Yes, I do. Does, do they know that I think that Mike Allred ripoff? Maybe. Maybe they, like, Trent Reznor's first big hit was down in it. Uh, off of Pretty Hate Machine, and there was all these people that poo-pooed on it and were like, this is a complete rip-off of Dig It by Skinny Puppy. And he was like, yeah, this is a complete rip-off of Dig It from Skinny Puppy, but I had to start somewhere. Yeah. I had to start somewhere. So um, what I'm trying to say is I need to reread this, and it's not fair that I I only went halfway through. That's that's not cool. That, that's that That... Me talking about it, not finishing it, or even trying to give it a chance isn't cool. And in hindsight, Minefielders, uh, hopefully there's a couple books out there that you might give it another chance to. Because I'm, I'm frankly not happy with myself that I, that I did that. But at the same time, though, I'm glad I went there to at least tell you, like, hey, I, I think I might have messed up. Gotcha. All right. Well, I, I can definitely agree with you on the artwork. Like I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of this particular this art, but the uh, the story is interesting though because we haven't really like we were talking about how punchline is been used over and over and over again ever since she debuted. Correct. Gotham Girl, we've barely seen. Like we know her brother passed because the whole thing was at a. The more they use the powers, the more they their powers burn them up and kill them from the inside out. Right. And that's what happened to her brother. And, you know, when he died, it kind of broke her. So she was actually a patient at Arkham Towers. And now that she's out, you know, she's, you know, she's not sure who to turn to. And that's something I find insanely interesting because we freaking... We're always talking about, oh, you know, Batman, you know, Batman's such a loner, but he's really got this huge family behind him. Right. 
she's the outsider now. She's she is not in the Bat family. Absolutely not. You know, Batman knows her, and at one point they were trying to train her and her brother, but like that fell apart quick. And now, you know, not only does she not have anybody, but we find out that she's actually staying in Wayne Manor. Like, she's in the ab- in the abandoned home Bruce Wayne grew up in. She's a squatter. Yeah. Because she's got nowhere to go. You know, she's going to, she's going to high school. And, like, she's, you know, she's in the drama department. And she's using it as basically an excuse to make more gear. Making more outfits for herself to be Gotham Girl. But, like, she doesn't really have friends. And one of the only people, person she talks to at all is somebody else, you know, who is, you know, from, uh, they do uh, meetings together. And she doesn't want anyone else to find out that she goes to these meetings when she does go. And she also, she's freaking, you know, he's trying to, like, talk to her. And he ends up trying to hold her hand. And she just, she zaps him with her powers. Or so we think. Poor you know, he pull, she ends up pulling away and running. And, like, she, you know, and he, she's just mad at him because she's not going to let him blow this for her because she just wants to, you know, she wants to be normal. You know, like everybody does when they're a teenager. <laughs> you know, but we find out that her powers aren't exactly working the way they should work and she's kind of... Sometimes it's nothing at all, and sometimes she just goes full bore way too quickly. So she's like, you know, putting holes in the roof of Wayne Manor when she's flying. And her one legit friend is a gargoyle's head that is busted. And that's the only person she talks to to prove it to make herself seem less crazy. But uh, he had asked her to meet him, meet her at, after school. She decides finally to go see him and just kind of confront him because she, she, she automatically assumes he wants to date her. And she's like, you know, here, you know, she, I'm here caping everything, you know. Hope you're not disappointed that I ditched the skirt because you changed her outfit. And she sees him in the corner and he apparently uh, shot himself in the head. He's got the Gotham Girl website pulled up on his MacBook. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Same clothes from earlier. The one thing that stands out to me that I just noticed is that the gargoyle head she's talking to looks very similar to the Pazuzu head from The Exorcist. Oh, okay. The uh, Exorcist basis, for those that don't really know it, it wasn't really the devil that was inside of Reagan. It was a, a demon called Pazuzu. And um, the statue that we see more of in the Exorcist of the Beginning, and we see a little bit of it in the Exorcist of the actual Pazuzu statue, is, um, it that looks just like it, dude. Just like Interesting. it. Interesting. I wonder if it's inspiration or something a little bit deeper. Let me look it up just real quick, the Zuzu statue, because I don't want to call it like that, but it, like, I'm pr- I've seen The Exorcist. I saw The Exorcist when I was six. 
And I'd like to say it didn't mess me up, but I was definitely a blank slate. I took my kid to see the bad guys this weekend. That was fun. Oh, I heard that movie was really cool. I enjoyed it. He liked it a lot. Let's see. Images. Pazuzu. Alright, so there's the face that we see. Alright, there's the statue. He's got more of a mohawk. It looks like it without the mohawk. Close enough, though. But the still the blatant Mike Allred ripoff here is just still chafing me, man. But uh, <laughs> let's get out of the streets of Gotham, man. Like, let's go to Immortal X Men, man. Because what you you're telling me, we've got a sinister story here with our favorite sinister man. Oh yeah, now definitely a uh, good old Mister Sinister here. But yeah, now it's uh, Immortal X Men number one. Yeah, we started out in Paris in 1919, and we see a, a young, dapper Mr. Sinister waiting on a well, woman, and turns out that woman is one Irene Adler, who we all know as Destiny. Right. Yeah, and they're sitting here talking, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the war that's coming and how they can prepare for it. You know, and Irene, you know, she whispers something into Mr. Sinister's ear. And his eyes get big. And next thing you know, he starts bleeding from his eyes. And choking. And as he loses consciousness, a mystique appears over Irene's shoulder. And, you know, She's just like, were you expecting that? And she's like, no, I wasn't. You know, this uh, it's a surprise. This so is, I suppose I could have. I should have expected is, it. This is very reminiscent of the initial interaction with Moira and Charles Xavier when uh, Hickman started Powers of X. Mm-hmm. Telling, well, I could totally see that, yeah. The, the park bench, but the fact that Mystique is that old, I can buy Destiny being that old with a, a young Mr. Mm -hmm. Nathaniel Essex, but responsible for the, the diamond on his forehead showing up. I mean, like, did she just expose it? But even then, like, it seemed like something was coming out of him rather than in. Yeah, no, we definitely, like I said, we see the, what I would think would be blood coming out of his eyes and yeah, I think the I think the diamond was always there. It was just you know underneath the hat. Yeah. Yeah, she just you know Raven's just like, what did you tell him? And you know she just uh, all uh, Destiny can respond with is, do you trust me? And she's like, you know, yes. And she's like, then don't ask. You know, if I tell you, know, if you ever need to know, I hope it never comes to that. And we end up jumping into modern day and Sinister's just playing in his lab. Just kind of, you know, talking about, talking about how today's going to be a red letter day and he's got to remember to act surprised because he feels like he knows what's going to happen. 
and we'll find out later that he probably does. But we go to a, a meeting of the Quiet Council, and we find out that Magneto is retiring, and he's going to be going to Araco, you know, terraformed Mars. You know, and Sinister's just kind of thinking about how, what we're going to do now that Magneto's gone, who we're going to vote in, because we, we need 12. You know, there's really uh and he's like, oh, I know how everyone's going to, gonna vote we know how what's gonna happen next because he's, he's seen this all before but we get some really interesting thoughts on all the uh what he th- you know what he thinks everybody thinks of him talking about how storm doesn't care for him and apparently he knows that colossus has been compromised by mikhail Rasputin, and his brother <laughs> <laughs> and that you know course i wonder how many other people know this as well i mean he's not sitting there in in uh whatever metal he is form that emma can't not listen to yeah yeah but the whole thing comes down to they need to hide they need to find find the 12th person you know we've got a couple of people who definitely think they're the person for the job you know we see archangel or we see angel um, we've got Monet, Monet St. Croix, Penance. We've got Gorgon. we got Vulcan. Abigail Brand and Beast you know, are all trying to state their claim. Which is always super interesting. And it's funny that they then they turn around and uh, you know, Kate Pride is like, Hey, Doug, are you interested? Talking to Cypher. And he's like, we're not. It's it be it would compromise everything. Since he is the one real line of communicate communication with Krakoa. Mm-hmm. So then we turn around and we see uh, Exodus talking with Hope, trying to talk her into considering the position. Because you know, at one point she was looked upon as a mutant messiah, and Exodus finds himself a very uh, religious man. So I definitely, uh, I don't know too much about Exodus. So I'm always uh, very interested in seeing what his takes are when it comes to the Quiet Council. I, I'm still, I'm still confused by him because they always put him forth as a religious man. He's, he's done mm-hmm. like uh, he's taken the kids out, you know, gotten them, you know, on Krakoa to like. You know, like basically camping trips, telling them old wives' tales that are actually true, but have they do have a historical context to them. But he tells them in a in a way that like, as if it was like a myth uh, with gods and demons, and he he does not have a the fact that he has no master, like uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to with Kurt. Kurt's still very Catholic, and yeah. dealing with the. Um, uh, problem with being Catholic, you know, no other god before me, forming a meat religion, and Exodus has no no master. He doesn't even have respect for Magneto anymore. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, like, is that like a conundrum, or is, is that like a, a plot hole, or is that just something we feel like they just haven't expounded upon yet? No, I, I think Magneto's changed so much over the years that I can see why. Like that's that's the thing, you know, men are men are fallible, you know. 
people make mistakes, people change, you know, whatever you want to look at it. And at some point, they're, uh, both their thought processes, you know, split. They both, you know, one was thinking one way, one was thinking another. And it just it didn't work out, you know. Simple right. as that. But yeah, now we go back to a Kokoa and or the Quiet Council, and Celine is trying to stake her claim, which is actually a super interesting one because uh, the whole thing was they were trying to. She's not, they, they were talking about replacing Magneto, but she brings up the fact that they never really replaced Apocalypse, and the reason that would be is because he had such a a, a grasp on magic, and Destiny while she took his seat, doesn't have that grasp. No. She can and see it. Celine's out here talking about how she can do so much more than what any, anything Apocalypse could do magic-wise. Is she... You know, th- she brings up Necrotia. Oh, hmm? is she... No, bringing up Necrotia... Hold on, keep going on that. I'm sorry, I got excited. Please. All right. No, she talks about Necrotia. She's like, you know, you guys want to talk about how the five can bring back X amount of mutants over time. I brought back the majority of everybody in a day. You know, and she's like, you know, yeah, you brought them back as zombies. And she's like, but I brought them back. But I brought them back. That was a gnarly story, man. And I honestly, I see, I'm seeing this panel here. And she's picturing the five at the, the five tips of a pentagram. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me rephrase that. All right. So it's very, it's very specific when it comes to when you see a five-pointed star. Now the star we're lo- the star we're looking at from the perspective that we're at has the two points at the bottom. Typically, the two points at the bottom is more of a Wiccan symbol. Now that's a, a non-threatening one. Um, that there's there's a specific phrase. Uh, Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That that's that is uh, a law or a, a phrase that uh, typically hardcore pagans revolve around like do what you want to do it doesn't matter <laughs> like it it, yeah. it it doesn't matter uh like just just do what you got to do be your own god um if if you're talking about modern day satanism the uh the pentacle is a pentagram with one point at the bottom in a circle now we're looking at a pentacle in a circle and at the tips of each one is the five, which I took as a direct threat that she knows something that they don't know or a way to hold something hostage. Um, when you've got the pentagram with the one point at the bottom, it's typically used as a sign of rebellion uh, or um, uh, the ultimate rebel, Lucifer, you know, telling God, you know, I'm out of here. Uh that, yeah. There's a lot of different interpretations to it, but I took this as a direct threat. But with the pentacle, it, it's mm, you can interpret it as earth, wind, fire, you know, water and cheese. Yes, exactly. Uh, you forgot peanut butter and jelly, um, but um, not a jelly guy. Not a jelly guy. Ah, uh, jam guy. I like jelly in of itself, but I don't like it. More of a jam guy, yeah, I'd definitely say that. 
Well, but nonetheless, I, dig- I digress. Yeah, I, I digress too. So we're, we're, I'm I'm taking this as a direct threat, and the the use of the star it might be looking way too much into, um, but um, it it definitely begs the question: um, what the hell is she up to? And Celine here, this is Madeline Pryor, right? Uh, they're the two different characters. I'm pretty sure because Madeline Pryor is a redhead. She's a clone of Jean Grey. Correct. Uh, in Necrotia, she looked just like this. So I guess I'm just getting a little confused that because Necrotia was all Madeline Pryor, <laughs> like all uh, the Black Queen of Hell. Of, gotcha. Uh, the Hellfire Club. So uh, we're probably both right. Um, but in, in comes Hope. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely two different people, but yeah. Yeah. In comes Hope. Yeah, I freaking And she but she makes a good point. She talks about representing the five and how uh you know obviously they need the five for everything. Cause that's one of the interesting points, like something you not you hit on um a little bit, is if they t- if you take out one of the five you can't bring them back. Especially if there's no, if the, and Cerebro's been compromised. Because you need all five of them to make it work. Yes, you do. Cerebro has already been compromised multiple times. So there's, you know, no reason not mm-hmm. believe that, that one of their backups can be erased and they're just, they're, they're conquering death. It's done. Yeah. That's the thing. If you take out any, any one of the five, you know, you, you shoot gold balls in the head. You can't you can't make any more gold balls. You can't just bring him back. Which is funny because then technically you would need somebody like a Celine to do it. Right. But imagine what his Necroche balls would be bringing back. Yeah. So that's that's the thing. It's freaking you need. The five must be protected at all cost. At all costs. Yeah. And the thing is, is she's over, you know, hopes over here, you know, we want it, you know, and people, and she even brings up the political aspect of it. She's talking about, you know, we're, you know, we're beloved here. Like, everybody loves the five. And if we, like, she's basically saying, if we don't get our way, there's going to be issues. And then, but then again, Celine turns around and she's, you know, she's like, you know, you know, you may hear an or else here, but you're you're gonna hear one for me also, without in in so few words. But then we sit around this meeting, and they're gonna vote. They're gonna vote for hope. And you know, Sinister still thinking he's the smartest guy in the room. He knows how everybody's gonna vote. You know, Professor X votes no. Emma Frost votes yes. Colossus says no. Mystique says yes. Sinister, knowing you know how this is gonna go, you know, he votes no. But then we come to Destiny, and Destiny's you know he's completely positive she's gonna say yes because Mystique said yes, and he's. Been, you know, he's seen the future and he knows she's going to say yes. And then she says no. 
and the next picture is, you know, sinister, be you know, completely, you know, losing it. <laughs> he, he loses every ounce of cool in his face, and it's like, oh crap. You know, and then Nightcrawler says no, like he thought. You know, Storm says no. And then Exodus says yes. And then all we see is Sinister completely just falling apart. And then he, he's gotta he's gotta change his vote because he needs hope in there. And he's you know, he's like, Time out, wait, you know, I th- I thought about this, I'm gonna change my vote. And he, you know, he changes it to yes, and then um, Kitty Pride votes you. Kate Pride votes yes. Black King votes yes. And now it's a six-five in favor. So hope will. Uh, hope is officially on the council in the autumn seat. And Professor X goes to let Celine know. That's, you know, that's how they voted. And she takes it well. She's like, he's like, you know, you're quiet and you're either going to take, you're taking this really well or you're taking this really poorly. And she's just like, feelings as if they matter. This is all really simple. You know, you made a decision. And now you get to live with the consequences. As she summons what appears to be this gigantic centipede. To destroy everybody! Especially after we just fought a bunch of them a couple months ago with uh, the resurrection of Wanda. Um, yeah. It, it, it's like a roach centipede, but like the the fact that Chuck isn't seeing what's coming, considering he can read everyone's mind. And I mean, what did you what did you think when you initially saw this monster? You really should have saw it coming. Like you, you knew nobody's going to, I think it's one of those things you knew is nobody was going to take it well. You just didn't know how bad it was going to get. Yeah, and this whole thing comes out, and, you know, they're going to fight it, and then Sinister runs. Because, of course, he does. And he's just, you know, he ends up in his lab, and he's like, you know, things just, things are going awry. You know? And he's, you know, in his mind, he's just talking about how Celine shouldn't have escalated. You know, there's something else I don't know, but I don't know. I gotta try it. You know, he's gonna try it again. He's gonna come up with looking for weapons. You know, he's in his lab. And we see a cat with uh, a Cyclops' visor on. So I'm gonna assume the cat can shoot optic rays, optic right. blast. And we see that Sinister has a collection of Scott Summers' eyeballs that obviously all have the ability to shoot these optic blasts as well. And it's just kind of what he does. You know, he screws around in his lab and he comes up with stuff. You know, he kind of calmly kind of mentions the Kimura a little bit. But then he starts thinking about this, this thing in a tube. You know, something that can move time as, you know, from the moment they're born and can remember everything when they die and are reincarnated yet again. And he's kind of thinking about how, you know, 
how funny is it that somebody thought they only needed one body to do this? You know, and I a clever one. And, you know, we turn the last page and we see at least half a dozen Moira McTaggart's in different stages of life with her mutant ability intact. And Sinister's whole plan is basically if he screws up, he can just kill a Moira McTaggart, restart the timeline, knowing what he knows, and go from there. These annotated diagrams at the end. Going through oh. what the Quiet Council is to remind you. There's clues here. The first law is make more mutants. Showing where special places are. Orcus protocol, uh, outside the sun, outside of, uh, on, uh, Phobos. We still haven't had that revealed yet. This is definitely, like, like I, w- I would call this a breadcrumbs issue. It leads in so many different directions. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And it's interesting to see, like, I'm not going to like, I wouldn't mind a Sinister-centric comic. Like, I love, you know, I really didn't care for Sinister until I started reading Hellions. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, this guy's amazing. Like, he's always looked cool. Always. But, like, this is, like, the first time I've really gotten into into him in the comic books. And he was amazing. They're definitely getting a kick out of making him smile a lot. We've seen him smile more in the past year than we've ever seen him, like, literally ever. Uh, Do you still hear him talk in that, like, wispy robotic voice from the animated series? From the kid from the anime series? Eh, a little bit. Not so much. It's just, I'm more like, ah, crap. Like, he just kind of... He's much more animated than he ever was, pun and fully intended, in the animated series. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like you're. It, it's kind of like how original Deadpool versus Deadpool now, whereas like back in the day he was just kind of oh he's a creepy mad scientist, just like every other creepy mad scientist, except he's got a diamond in his head, and now he's just like he's just so over the top and. You know, like I said, you get those, those different facial reactions that you never would have got when he debuted. I'm so, loving yeah, it. Man. I'm definitely, definitely enjoying it a lot. I'm going back to what I've told you so many times since Hickman took over, and unfortunately he's gone now. But um, well, from the book, um, is how the real meat and potatoes is not at all within the pages of X Men. Hardly anything happens in the pages of X Men. It's these satellite books. Watching Sinister mm-hmm. just laugh. Watch everything he planned unfold. We've got probably one of the biggest monkey ranges. we got all these Moiras. And I don't know what he's doing with them, especially if we know he's... the Well, just in general, time travel is possible. But to explain how... Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got five of them here, but... Uh, Ten lives, ten uh, the X lives, uh, X deaths of uh, Wolverine. 
focused on Moira more than it did Wolverine. And we still have no yeah. explanation of the cyclical quality. Like, is it like, like the, the only, and this was such so far-fetched in my head was like, you know, uh, the world ends, it dies, Moira's right back to where she was. And she remembers something like, like one of those, uh, time concepts that were just reliving everything over and over in a simulation or whatever. But if they, day. yeah, if there were ten of them, I we, we would. I, I still don't get that. That's still such a plot hole for me. And I've seen people try to fill in the blanks about why it's okay for Moria have died that many times, and we're still where we are. Like I, I imagine that they're placing us when the the real juice happens and things can get changed, but. I still don't get the connection with Moira uh, being able to just come back and then like a hard reset, you know? So if there's more of them in this room, that might make sense. I don't know, but Sinister's involved. So let's, let's do it, man. Let's get on this. Let's put our money on the pony that is named. Uh, she's the fastest and hope we get our 20 grand, you know? Mm. He is the most sinister, that is for sure. <laughs> he is definitely dastardly. Um, let's uh, let's hold off on um, the death of the Justice League. I, I, I feel like it's getting late, but even then, like I feel like I don't have enough to hold on to or foothold because I... I if, if you ask me to review that right now, I, I, I'll tell you I hate it. But it does remind me of how, like, the catalyst stories that start pretty much every crisis, um, it's kind of boring. And then also I want to reread, because I, I honestly never made it through the multiverse with Grant Morrison. And they're, they're bringing a lot of people in from those storylines. And I, I'd like to just get caught up on it and get the first issue out of this hokiness, because I, I feel like... Oh, the Justice League got teleported here. And, oh, don't worry, brother. We'll fix it. <laughs> but they don't. No, they do not. And uh, let, let's hold off on that one. And uh, Was there anything left? I mean, you brought up something you wanted to talk about. Was it off-air or on-air? Yeah, it's off-air. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but it's come, your it'll come to me in a minute. It's your turn, man. Alrighty. <coughs> Appreciate you guys coming out and listening to us ramble. It's been fun. Always tip your mater D. Exactly. But no, this is uh this is dangerous. This is minefields. Transmission. This transmission is over. And make sure that the, the guy <laughs> make sure the guy that's your valet is actually a valet for you and his keys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>